If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, This would be the Jeff Cameron Show, Redemption Thursday edition for as slow as January has gone. And I think I'm in a long line of people who think that's the case. This week to me, maybe not to, not, maybe not to my cohort, Tom, but to me, has flown past. How are we on Thursday? We got the games this weekend and I couldn't be more excited. I am Jeff. That is Tom. He is here. Director Matthew off in the distance doing things that help out. That's a good thing. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you. Like yesterday, today, re-recorded. Had to, scheduling conflicts. I swear it's on the up and up, everybody. Just trust us. But the content is fresh. Content is fresh. By the way, so I don't know if you know this, and right off the bat, we'll get to it. Uh, and I'm going to assume the game that you're, well, I don't know. I shouldn't assume that. I'm, I'm thinking the game you're most excited about is Bengals Chiefs. Uh, think- no, no, it's not. Wow. Um, wow. You know, and, and that game's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but the NFC game to me has the potential. It's got potential for two things. It's got the potential for the blowout. If there's going to be one blowout and one close game, I think Philly is in a place where uh, I don't know that San Francisco could go and catch him if Philly scores in the upper 20s or the lower 30s. But I think that that has the opportunity to be the true clash of styles that maybe resonates more with you and me, the old NFC championships. Old school. Yeah, right. The old 90s and, and early 2000s NFC championship games that we remember with the Bucks and the Rams or or the Eagles and the Buccaneers or Philly was in a lot of those games. But it just this one has a chance to be the blend of all of football. Really good offense, really good defense, mostly the good offense played by Philadelphia. I just like the clash of styles. Um, and I also like when a game sometimes is a race to 24 and you're thinking about field position and the details of the game rather than just relying on two quarterbacks to be Superman. Not that there's anything wrong with the AFC matchup. Going to love it. Uh, 
But the one I'm looking forward to the most, just because of how interesting it is, is Philadelphia and San Francisco. Well, there's a couple of factors that play into the interest and intrigue level for me. And, and I can see your point. I, in there, it's oddly quarterback driven in both games. I don't know how healthy we're going to see Patrick Mahomes be. If this is a high ankle sprain, as in true high ankle sprain, I know there are miracle workers on the training staffs of NFL teams. And when you have the kind of equipment and education and the kind of uh, tortle, <laughs> the kinds of things that, yeah, that you need to get by. I mean, listen, again, they put these guys in chambers. They've got, they're working on them night and day. They're doing everything they can. But high ankle sprains like hamstrings are a real problem. They're not usually quickly figured out and pain-free. And moreover, the Toral shot will make it so that he can play without pain. Got it. Pain tolerance is important. But it doesn't give him any more mobility. Mm -hmm. And if you can't run, you can't run. It's like if my hamstring is half torn, you can shoot me up so I don't feel the effects of that pain. But I can't go. I can't really run at that point. Uh, and that's probably a bad example because when guys have bad hamstrings, they're not going to let them play for fear that they're tear it completely. But, but the, the point is, if, if it's doing anything to hinder his ability to buy time and to do what he does, which is very special, he's like a point guard with great handles. It just drives you nuts to watch him. He's in, he's out, he's back around. Meanwhile, Kelsey's getting open, I promise you. And so there you are. You're stuck somewhere watching a soon-to-be-completed pass to Travis Kelsey, only Travis Kelsey. And you're going to have to watch that 15 times. And I about fell out of my chair watching the game last week with my dad. When in late in the second quarter, uh, was it Tariko doing that game? I think it was. Uh, said, uh, and that's catch number 10 for Kelsey. Yeah. In the second quarter, what are we doing? It's still remarkable. It is still remarkable. The whole world knows that guy is going to catch the ball. They all know he's his number one target. The thing that if you're going to make an argument for him as the greatest to ever do it, and what a run we've had. And, you know, we always talk I about did. the quarterbacks and and how we're – we're exiting an era that was amazing. Now you've got a bunch of young guns, but you think about how many years you had, you know, Tom Brady, obviously, Peyton Manning, Drew oh, yeah. Brees, Ben, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you go down the line, and that was a great era. But from Tony Gonzalez to now has been the golden era of tight end play in NFL history because it was Tony G, Antonio Gates, Rob Gronkowski. I'm skimming over like four or five really good guys, and we arrive to Travis Kelsey. And what's cool about this is Travis Kelsey was already a badass before Patrick Mahomes ever emerged. It's just that my man, Alex Smith, was his quarterback. And remember, they didn't have receivers. It was Dwayne Bowe and, you know, Dwayne Bowe, nobody else. They didn't they go like a full season plus without a receiver scoring or catching a touchdown. There pass? was a weird stat, which is unimaginable now, given what that offense has been in the last five years. And one of the tragic, and I mean tragic, loss <laughs> of Alex Smith's career was to Marcus Mariota and the Titans. Well, do you know what happened in the first half of that football game in the playoffs? Travis Kelsey got hurt. And then they had, I don't know if it was Orson Charles or another guy who was the backup tight end, drops two or three passes in the second half. That's what the offense is designed to do. At any rate, Travis Kelsey was the MVP then. Then everybody thinks, oh, well, he's wide open because of Tyreek Hill and because of Patrick Mahomes. This departure for Tyreek Hill and the productivity he's had in Miami is actually the best thing that you can do if you're making a case for Travis Kelsey to be the best to ever play because 
now that Hill is gone, you would think that bracket coverage would handle Travis Kelsey in any particular game, like a playoff game, when it's do or die for schemes. Doesn't freaking matter. 87 always finds a way to get open. Oh, he's always open. It's saying, by the way, Chiefs, if you want to know, uh, on offense, overall DVOA, number one, pass DVOA, number one, rush DVOA. This surprised me. They're top 10. They're number nine in that category. Now, on the other side of it for the Chiefs, they're 17th in overall defensive DVOA, pass DVOA. They're 20th. They'll give up the pass, and that's a problem when you're facing the Bengals and that receiving core and Joe Burrow, who doesn't get nervous and always beats the Chiefs, apparently. Uh, rush DVOA, they give up 15, uh, their 15th in the league. So I do think there's a good reason why, when you look at the odds, that the Kansas City Chiefs are underdogs at home. It's not surprising. The Cincinnati Bengals, as we sit here today, are one-point favorites in this football game. It makes some sense. You've got a hurt quarterback, an average defense, going against an elite offense in Cincinnati, and a quarterback that has a – you know, we have it's a fun debate. In truth, the numbers tell you this year especially that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. Again, he is. He is. And we almost take it for granted that he is. Like, we we look – it's almost like people got tired of winning, watching Michael Jordan win the MVP. So they gave it to Charles Barkley and Carl Malone and other people every now and again. And when you go back and you look at those numbers in those seasons, you're like, no, man, Michael should have won it both those years. He should have won it all those times that you gave it to other people. But people got bored. They were like, we can't give it to him again. He's won it six times. What do we, you know? So I feel like that happens to Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's just so routinely awesome. People are like, oh, well, can we give it to somebody else? Is somebody else out there that we can give this to? But I will say, I think there's – real merit in the idea that if you were starting a team today that you might do so with Joe Burrow he's unflappable absolutely unflappable and I watched three or four different video breakdowns you know what by the way guys just just to have fun with this if you're a diehard football fan go to YouTube there are three or four different Wonderful quarterback breakdown videos, pre-snap, play-for-play, all the throws, the different looks. I mean, we live, this is true. As a fan, we've never lived in an era in which if we want to, we can be as closely educated to the top-tier coaches in the game as one can possibly get without growing up in it, living in it, working in it on a daily basis, and being in the film room with them to hear that analysis. Like you're closer now than you've ever been. You know this, but when you get into the playoffs and you have this many good quarterbacks where you have a Jalen Hurts and you have a Patrick Mahomes and you have a Joe Burrow, and even to some degree, if if you're thinking about, well, okay, it ends there, right? The other's a rookie. Well, I actually have had a good time breaking down that footage too and looking at what's made him successful, Purdy successful in San Francisco because – one thing is undeniable, and we'll get to that game. One thing's undeniable about that player as well. Well, I don't know if he's going to be great, and I don't know if this is guy on the right team with the right coach and a great defense and a strong running game and a lot of weapons, and all of those things add up to him not having to make a ton of plays. Um, it, it could be that. Could very well be he's the second coming of a late-round draft pick like Tom Brady that goes on to have great success. But what I do know is that Jimmy Garoppolo has access to all of those same weapons and is coached in the same way and was on the same team. And game for game, there's now seven sample size uh, measurements for Purdy. 
Purdy's been better. He's better down the field. He's been better on yards per attempt. He's been better in completion percentage. He's been better than Garoppolo. Now, you might say that's a low bar, Cameron, but for a rookie drafted last overall, that's where I will give him credit. He's better than the guy he replaced through seven games. Yeah, and there's been reports that Garoppolo could be ready. You know, I saw last week there was a chance that he could be ready for the NFC Championship game. I haven't monitored what San Francisco's injury report is. But my question, and this is the best testament, you know, to a casual fan talking about a quarterback, my question immediately was why? Why would you make the switch? You wouldn't. Pull, you wouldn't. He won't. And you shouldn't. I, I don't think you should. This guy is in a rhythm. Everybody trusts him. Everybody looks loose in the sidelines, too. There are times when a backup quarterback plays, and you can see either on the sidelines when they're off the field or on the field, in the huddle or whatever, everybody's walking on eggshells. They know that they cannot make a mistake or else this guy is then going to blow it for them. You know, there, there's a difference between playing free and playing to try to cover up for somebody else's deficiencies. And you can see it. Any sport, in any sport, you can see it. Uh, the offensive line's a great example here at Florida State. You saw a look at our quarterback's eyes for the better yeah. part of 10 years where you know, oh, man, he is he is calling a play or he is throwing the ball in order to defend against the big strip sack because he knows that we suck at left tackle. Same thing here. Same thing here with Garoppolo to a degree with Trey Lance. I'll bet you the body language of the 49ers would not be as loose and as free and with belief as it currently is with Brock Purdy in a vacuum. Is he better? I don't know. But right here, right now, when you have to play a game this weekend, I would not make that switch. Even if Garoppolo was available, they're in a good rhythm with Brock Purdy. The question is, can they stay within touch of Philadelphia or the Eagles come out, assert themselves to an early lead? I just I don't think San Francisco is built to come from behind because once that Eagles machine gets rolling, that place goes nuts and the, and the scoreboard lights up like it's a freaking slot machine. Well, and also it's because their defense gets three and outs. And so that momentum is allowed to be maintained because they've gone down and scored. The place is rabid and they go out and get a three and out because of the best defense in the league. And they have, and they they've been really good when they're healthy, uh, and you see it. They overwhelm people, and I agree with you. I think in that moment, Purdy would have been a, he will find himself in a matchup that he can't win on the road in Philadelphia. The, the you know everything from the weather to the expectations, but more importantly, the quality of the defense that he'll be facing in that situation. Uh, I think that the betting slips today on redemption Thursday that I'll get to, and we'll go through them slowly are kind of interesting because there's prop bets to be had in these games based on matchup. It's really about props as opposed to winners as in sides. Um, it's more about props. I, I, you know, I mean, I'll pick some winners to make the games fun. Uh, I, I do think Cincinnati is going to beat Kansas city again. Um, and I do think Philadelphia is going to beat San Francisco. Could I be wrong? Well, yeah, it's the NFL, and it's one of the great things about the NFL, especially when you get matchups like this. You've got real good coaches that are left over here, and you've got real good players on both sides of the ball for both teams. And, yeah, oh, is it going to be shocking if Kansas City wins at home against Cincinnati to go to the Super Bowl? No. Would it be surprising if a Kyle Shanahan coach team who has a very good defense and a lot of weapons finds a way to manage the game and stay in it long enough to kick a last-second field goal and beat Philadelphia on the road? Wouldn't be shocking. Shocking. I mean, you can see that scenario play out. So the sides don't have the advantage here. It's the props. It's things like 
Joe Mixon receptions, P Ryan receptions. If you're looking at Cincinnati, you're looking uh, to point totals. I like point totals here too, as we can look at the weather and we can talk about the defenses. Uh, but I think, I think total number of catches and targets and those kinds of things are where it's going to be fun uh, for these two, these two football games. I'm glad you brought the weather. That's uh, my buddy from undergrad and from high school. We're thorough on the Jeff Cameron show, partly because of Tom's connections to a weather Florida state guy. Here you go. He's one of the leading guys in, daily fantasy sports and weather like they've done features on him on the weather channel how cool is that yeah his name's kevin roth you search for him on twitter kevin roth wx which is the shorthand for weather and uh he works with roto grinders is one hell of a name for a fantasy service and uh they're talking about and fantasy pun intended i guess but he's uh got color coding for all sports so a good thing for baseball if you're a dfs baseball guy is uh the home run potential and so depending upon if you're thinking pitching first or hitting first, you got ratings about weather, wind direction and things like that. But for the NFL, the number one thing that he looks at is not rain and snow. No, no, it's wind. Wind affects the passing game more than anything else because you're By talking far. about downfield shots. And the color coding is green means full steam ahead for points possibilities. And for these two games on Sunday, he has both in green, which means that the wind factor won't be that crazy. The weather in Kansas City is going to be cold, but again, that doesn't matter nearly as much as wind and wind gusts. So the point potential is there. Now, having said that, and knowing that the weather is in a good place, I think that Cincinnati and San, uh, and Kansas City game has a chance to go under because of too. because of Cincinnati's offensive line issues, and then because Mahomes is going to be rendered somewhat more statuesque, more compared to the way he likes to play the game. That has a chance to have more stops then I think it would if you played it with both healthy quarterbacks. Oh, sure. And in a situation where uh, the offensive line for Cincinnati wasn't a better place than it is right now, that's got a shot to be a 27-21 type game. You give me these two teams in the part of the season in which the weather is touching into the 70s and 80s and we get little wind and everybody's healthy, it's a shootout. Kansas City's not going to stop Joe Burrow in this offense, and Cincinnati and Cincinnati's not going to stop Kansas City uh, in their offense. Uh, I do think, yes, obviously everything is more intense. Everything is more ratcheted up this time of year, anyhow. Focus is not wandering like it could be in week seven. It's not that's not the case here. You've got this is to go to the Super Bowl. And obviously, Cincinnati just did that a year ago. I I do like there, there are times that I don't mind legacy talk. And it's when we're watching a player's legacy grow before our eyes, not after they've arrived at the Hall of Fame place and we try to slot them amongst all the others of all time. No, no. I like when we watch a guy go from being, that was a good draft choice. He's a good player. That that was smart on their part, to He's a pro bowler. Guy's a pro bowler. He's gone from being really good, a valued asset, to a pro bowler. Now they depend on him to help them win games. Oh, they've gone from – it's his offense. It's he's the guy. He's the focal point. In the case of quarterbacks, he's running the show. They're going to live and die with his decisions at the line of scrimmage. They've put the entire offense in his hands to, well, this dude's a Hall of Famer. He's going to the Hall of Fame. It's like, can you believe what we've watched? And some of these players, like Patrick Mahomes, is a really good example. Patrick Mahomes went from, hey, that kid's a lot better than we thought he was going to be. I thought it was the offense and the sorry Big 12. No wonder he lit it up. I mean, they threw it 55 times a game to, well, they must see something in him because Andy's not been a shy about ready to play him and pulling the trigger and moving on. And, you know, they must see something in that kid. They must know they got something to, 
Patrick Mahomes is a Hall of Famer. Like he can stop now. Yeah. He's he's a Hall of. We got there quick. Uh, uh, Oddly, I think we're getting there pretty quick with Joe Burrow. Y- yes, I agree. <laughs> and, and it's it's also an indirect thing for Patrick Mahomes because he won the Super Bowl. Of course, he did. But then the Super Bowl loss to the Bucks is one of the most individually heroic, unbelievable, yeah. in Super Bowl history. Like think if you're about, talking um, about, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Just think about what you're saying because you're right. It's one of the greatest performances I've ever seen a quarterback have in a game in which they got blown out and scored a grand total of nine points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't get double digits. Like if you're talking about most heroic performances in in a losing effort in the Super Bowl of my life, there are two that come to mind and only two. One is Larry Fitz against the Steelers in the Super Bowl that was played in Tampa. And then it is Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl that was played in Tampa. I think all five of the greatest incompletions I've ever seen in my life (laughs) were in that game because my man is floating above the turf, avoiding six dudes trying to bring him down and winging it like he's Omar Vizquel, like scraping his knuckles off the ground if that would actually be legal. And then the ball's flying right where it needs to. And it gets batted away or else it's going to be a catch. I mean, it's just he was phenomenal. And you're right. If his career ended today, there is no question about it. You put all famer on him. Yeah. Yeah. Some guys, you know, sometimes the shortness of a career, um, people will say, well, the numbers aren't there. But listen, I, I do this all the time with baseball players. Were you the best player at your position at any point in your career for more than a two or three year span? I got to consider you for a Hall of Fame. Ballot. I do. If you're the very best at what you did in a league of great players, and you also happen to play for, in this case, the most important position, and you want a ring, and you've been to others, <laughs> I mean, like you, yeah, man, you would go without all the numbers. You would go. I mean, I, I, in my mind, you'd get my vote. There are guys like Gail Sayers is like that in the NFL. He's in the Hall of Fame, right? Gail Sayers played, I think, for seven seasons. Gail Sayers was according to my dad and others who saw him play was the best running back in football really wasn't close. He was, uh, he was like a ballerina. He was able to glide in and out of his cuts. Guys could never catch him. He was just so silky smooth until he blew out his knee in an era where if you blew out your knee, it was over and he did. And I would have loved to have seen that guy in this era where guys come back from ACL tears in seven months and are somehow stronger. <laughs> it's it's crazy, right? But that wasn't the case back then. So, yeah, I mean, would Joe Burrow be a Hall of Famer right now? No. Is he a fast track to be? Yeah. yeah. Like, if they go win the Super Bowl this year and they go back to the AFC Championship game next year, let's say, and he also is elite again, I mean, we're starting to have the conversation pretty yeah. easily. Yeah, two things about that situation. Number one is about Cincinnati specifically. And the thought is when you have a superstar quarterback, you don't need to litter him with a ton of receiving options. Go get him offensive line help. And Cincinnati tried to do that in free agency last year, don't get me wrong, but they spent the first-round draft pick on Jamar Chase, which feels like at least the criticism went fantasy football roster building and not Mm -hmm. not football roster building yeah and it worked and it worked because that dude is a freaking nightmare and the synergy between the two of them is a real thing and joe wanted it joe wanted it that way he said screw my body don't get me an offensive lineman go get me that freaking guy because it's going to take us to another level and it has so that worked and they're both on their first contract 
So that's really important when you're talking about the viability and the competitiveness of that roster at Cincinnati. But then the second thing is I may have to switch my pick to the over on that game because Vegas is live. They're alert to this thing. The number I said, 27, 21 did not look at the numbers for the week. 47 and a half. <laughs> 47 and a half. So they are already factoring in. I don't think it's weather. They're factoring in both the offensive line for Cincinnati, but then that's got to be about Mahomes more than anything else because I was sure I would see a number in the 50s when I looked at the total for uh, the AFC Championship game. 47 and a half as of Thursday morning is the total. I will give you a little nugget as we go to break and come back. It's not all AFC NFC Championship, although it is bulky AFC NFC Championship today because well, that's what the hell is going on. You want me to break down last night's Sixers-Brooklyn Nets game? I did watch it. I could do that. You don't want me to do that. And there's truly nothing going on with Florida State because we don't really want to talk about that basketball team again right now. I'm still a little bitter from having talked about it so much yesterday. The prop would be this. Joe Mixon under three and a half receptions. You like that, buddy? Joe Mixon under three and a half receptions. They've been using P Ryan in those situations to throw the ball to. I think that you'll see Mixon maybe two, three catches at most. We're going under prop here. Three and a half catches for Joe Mixon. You like that, buddy? Uh, it always makes me nervous when the number is that small because when he catches his second pass in the late first quarter, and then you're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the way, they can't go to him. And weird stuff happens like that. I remember I lost a prop years ago. It was Colin Kaepernick and the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Atlanta to take on Matt Ryan. One of my favorite bets that you've ever lost. Yeah. This one's one of my favorites because it's so absurd. It is. It was, I think it was 15 and a half. It was. I'm glad you remembered. It was 15 and a half. Uh, He had, I think, 11 at halftime. He had 11 or 12 at halftime. 12 at halftime. Yeah, I think it was 12. (laughs) I mean, four more completions. Yeah. Three more completions, Tom. He had well, three and a half. He had to go. No, over. no, no, I'm saying, but he got three more, no. right? That's a, he, he got three. Not He didn't get four. He got three. <laughs> if I didn't need to take my Matt Ryan hate to another level, that brought me there because they couldn't be competitive enough to force my, my guy to throw freaking almost – you know, yeah. six, seven well, more times to complete four passes. It's one of the four great, Tom, it's one of the great Tom Lang bad beats. There've been like three or four that since we've been dear friends that I, I, I mean, I hated for you in the moment, but it is funny from a distance. Just like when, uh, what was the game that the guy Tennessee, returned Florida. the kick? What? Uh, well, no, Tennessee, Florida. Um, oh, well, no, no, you, that's a bad one for you. I'm thinking I had that terrible oh, one. That was um, Kansas, Missouri. No, Kansas, it was Kansas and somebody West Virginia, in the, Kansas, West Virginia. Yeah. And the kid couldn't stop the kick return. All they got to do is tackle him in bounds. <laughs> and, and that guy in Madden or NCAA football parlance had yes. like 72 speed on the kick return. Slow as hell. Broke four <laughs> tackles going to the right. Cut back left. Broke another tackle. I could have outrun that guy within the last two or three years. Yeah. And I'm like, what a look at this. Somebody's going to tackle him. And then I look at the screen and they pan back and he's at the 30 and there's nobody that's going to catch him. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. No, it's, uh, for my cousin Vinny lovers out there, it, you know, the time it takes to cook grits, you know, <laughs> 20 minutes, 
The whole grit eating nation. 20 minutes to cook the grits. I was furious. Could have cooked two servings of grits in the time it took for that kick return to get home. And he got home. He sure did. Cost me cost me a bundle. That kid there. A lot of heart on that kid. A lot of heart. It's the Jeff Garrett Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day, and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se, and I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, It had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon-neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Jeff Cameron Show rolling on. Redemption Thursday. We'll pivot for a moment from professional football and we'll go to college football because there was a question on the boards, Warchant.com. Hey, by the way, you like it? It's fading, Tom. Oh, wow. Look at that. It's fading. Well, the franchise in Tampa is certainly not fading. They continue to play really, really well. And you know what tonight is? Tonight is Boston. I'm playing Boston. I don't know that I've seen anybody get off to a start like Boston's gotten up. This is the dumbest thing in the world. No, there, there are articles now being written. There's one on ESPN.com uh, showing what they're on pace to do this it's year. Ruins, and it's to smoke what Tampa did the year that we got swept in the playoffs. They're on pace for 66 wins in 82 games. I'll say that again. In a in a salary cap era, 66 wins in 82 games. That's like straight out of the uh, the Chicago Bulls of the 90s type 82-game season. Yeah, I would caution. I would caution um, Boston. I, I mean, go ahead. Win as many games as you want. Um, but it, this doesn't always end well. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. Just saying. But I am interested to see how we match up against the juggernaut tonight because Tampa's playing great. So, And I've been very, very pleased with the way this season has played out. 
Got better on the wings, buddy. We're, we're doing all right. Yeah, the uh, the thing I'd say about Tampa, and this, here's for the betters out there on a Redemption Thursday, <clears throat> is always be alert on the over for Tampa. We're giving up a lot more goals this year, but we are, we're doing a good job of scoring. So, for example, when I was in New York over the weekend and I was legally able to gamble, the Lightning-Calgary game total was five and a half, and I said, you are crazy. You guys are on a crack. And I think it was seven or eight was what it, it, it landed so early, though, that I had forgotten about it and I dismissed it. And I went on with my day. But, uh, yeah, look live on the overs for Tampa if it's anything under seven. Just yeah, agreed. Give it a good look. Yeah, <clears throat> we do give up a ton of goals. It's uh, rather maddening. But, anyhow, um, we can score a lot of them, too. All right, so let's get to this. We had a question come up. Tom was doing the smash with Ira. And they were having that conversation. And they were talking about a lot of things. But uh, we talk about what Florida State will be, and there's a lot of projections. I did a lot of that on yesterday's show, too. But we wanted to do this. We wanted to give one FSU credit for, for his or her question and um, because we thought it was a good one. And listen, I'm going to give Tom a lot of credit here. I would have never seen this question. Um, but, but Tom is a more responsible employee of Warchant.com than me. And uh, went and checked the boards later on and saw it and realized, hey, you know what? This is a good question. We didn't get to it on the smash. Jeff and I should talk about this. And I agree with him. So it reads as follows for the radio audience that can't see it here on the chat. Uh, again, this is from 1FSU. If Jordan gets hurt in the LSU game, and he's talking about this year's game, by the way. Jordan gets hurt in the LSU game and is out for the season, and we have good injury luck with the rest of the team for the rest of the season, do you still think we can be ACC champions? I want to say in short, yes, yep. I think we could. It gets very, very hard, but it is possible uh, because I do think this team across the board is going to be better and is very, very good. And I think Clemson continues to slide, and I think that obviously is your chief competitor to win the ACC uh, until somebody else knocks them off the hill. And that game's on the road. Uh, it's going to be a hard game with Jordan Travis. It'll be a really hard game if Jordan Travis isn't playing, as in I don't think we'll win that game, but we could win the rematch. And uh, that's the way I would predict an ACC championship to happen, Tom, is if Jordan, in this scenario, if Jordan Travis gets hurt in the LSU game, you're pretty much in shock. Uh, you know, you're, you're fairly devastated. But we, you and I know the way we would have this conversation is we would talk about, all right, well, now, look, this is not a great schedule. We just have to navigate wins here, here, and here. And we would probably circle the Miami and the Florida game, and we would maybe maybe mention one other that you're worried about. But the Clemson game would be the one that I think almost, and I won't say universally, but the vast majority of Florida State fans on the road, even with a more confident version of Tate Rodemaker, would probably concede that could be very well could be a loss. But I wouldn't concede the rematch. I wouldn't. And, and I think because two things would be at play at that point. Uh, that loss would be behind you. You don't have many great games against other teams. Tate would have all of that time to grow between the first matchup and the second. Now, we don't know when that game is going to be played. We will know on Monday coming up. And I'm really looking forward to Monday. Like, I don't want to race through the weekend because I value my weekends, but I'm really excited about Monday 
for that night for the schedule to come out because when we play that game would also factor in to this conversation. Well, the good news for you is uh, you'll be able to uh, react about that live because you're slated to be on for the yeah. smash on Monday night at 7. What's happening at 7 at the same time? The ACC schedule release. So we'll have a, a, a nice couple extra wrinkles for you on Monday night here on War Chant TV. But, okay, before I get into the answer to the general question from 1FSU, uh, you, you bring up an interesting point about the sequencing of the schedule. And now that there are no divisions, I wonder if it impacts where the ACC would put what it considers to be, at least it has to for this season, the marquee in-season conference matchup, which is yeah. Clemson and Florida State. Do they put it closer to the ACC championship game because they want to maximize what they figured to be two high-ranked teams playing against each other in a high-impact month like November? Or would they rather stuff it in late September, September and early October to create the narrative of, all right, they're going on separate paths, but they're going to come back to merge right. you know, seven weeks later. I find it interesting because you could argue both ways, but the ACC has to do the math in terms of getting it as much exposure as possible. I wonder what the correct answer is for eyes on sets for the conference. My inclination is that you would want to play the first matchup earlier in the season so that you have uh, something that you could point to as a cornerstone matchup right early to set the tone for the ACC conversation and then move it to the end of the year uh, towards the ACC championship game when you get another rematch of high caliber. But you have to think about it that way now as a schedule maker because this is no longer an elimination game in a division. This is the first of potentially two matchups if you're going to get the dream scenario of TV ratings, which I'm sure is what Jim Phillips is looking to do while he's still the commissioner of the ACC and not the commissioner of the Big Ten if it goes that way. Well, and I wonder if the Big Ten has uh, is as uh, compelled to hire Jim Phillips as it they might, once did. It might be. not be. It might not be. <laughs> After that meek showing at the ACC kickoff in which he was begging for help, it was <laughs> like, we, we need a nice neighborhood too. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, some neighborhoods are gated within the grander community, but not all have a second gate or an attendant. You know, there's also the attendant. <laughs> you know, Sir. You're like the guy who does the voting map down in the counties, you know, yeah. on election night. You're like, we get it. Move move on. Can we talk about the grander point? So I will do that in terms of the question from one FSU. I agree with you. I, I think there's a chance they can win the ACC championship. I think there's a really decent chance that they play for the ACC championship if they lost Jordan for the entirety of the ACC slate. Because, again, there is no week zero. There is They can't stuff a conference game before LSU. So that would mean that Tate Rodemaker would play the entirety of the ACC slate of games. And the landmines are potentially Miami, the Clemson game on the road, and then I think the Pitt game on the road. We play Pitt up there. Uh, time and circumstance would not matter at that point of the game. That game in a vacuum would just be one of the tougher ones on the schedule. If you can get by Pitt on the road, if you can hammer Miami up here, then all it comes down to is don't trip up anywhere else and you're on pace to play Clemson in the ACC championship game for round two. And you're right. If you play a team a second time, I mean, the numbers say that it will always be a little closer than the first result. So we'll see. I would say this. If you're looking for potential pitfalls beyond Clemson with a Tate Rodemaker-led Florida State offense, and this is not a shot at Tate, and who knows, he could take the reins and, and tear it up. Who knows? I mean, we don't know. That confidence level may be sky high going into the year after having a measure of success this past year. It's year 52 in the system for him. It's 
Correct. So, you know, one would think he's got a pretty good handle on it. But, but Tom, I would circle, because uh, I pulled up the schedule. I know this isn't the order. You're right to point out at Pitt. That's a game that you worry about. But I looked, I just, I try to look at well-coached teams and teams that would maybe have a little something for you to confuse your quarterback. Listen, Duke had the 31st ranked defense in the country last year. Duke had the fifth best defense in the ACC last year. Mike Elko has done an amazing job very quickly at Duke, who was bowl eligible and won eight games. And, you know, listen, again, I don't think Duke is top of the line in terms of talent. But you do see a scenario by which he could confuse him and he could make that game interesting. They made a lot of games interesting, including beating the tar out of Miami. And they beat a lot of teams that they didn't have equal talent to. So I just look for landmines in general when I have high expectations for my team. (laughs) Because I'm like, well, let's not screw this up. And where could we screw this up? You know, some years you look and you go, well, you could screw up the weight game. They're a good team. You wouldn't say it as much this year. They're losing a ton off that team, including the best quarterback in the league, arguably, right, besides Jordan Travis. Uh, well, May is better than him, but you, you get what I'm saying. But anyhow, I would look at I would look at that Duke game as, mm, okay, let's, you know, that could be a problem. That could be a hiccup without Jordan Travis. Is it at Wallace Wade or here? Uh, that game, I believe, is, in fact, here, so that helps. I like that a lot. Yeah, that that helps me feel a lot better about it. Duke has some results last year that you have to raise your eyebrows. You have to and say, wow, look at that. I watched. I forget which one it was. Was it Duke-Georgia Tech? It was some of the worst quarterbacking I've ever seen in college football on both ends. I was like, my God, this is terrible, terrible product. But, look, they got the results. And to me, the way I'd start the argument about Tate and landmines is to look at every other segment group on the offense. And when you do that this year, you smile as you go from position group to position group, because you can start at running back. Everybody will, I think in the national media with Trey Benson and and talk about the impact that he potentially could have this year, uh, ACC first team. He could be a front runner for the big awards in the ACC. If Florida state just decides to run the football, but you look at receiver, we're loaded and we're diverse there. You look at tight end, that is overhauled and something to smile about. And then the question mark is the offensive line about who fits where, but it's not for a lack of options. So you are surrounding a backup quarterback in this hypothetical scenario with as good an offensive situation as you possibly can. You're giving him balance. You're giving him better protection than he had last year, and he had bad protection last year on the road at Louisville when they're down, found a way to make some plays. You're giving him play action as well. So that's the thing. The backup quarterback is surrounded by so much good that as long as they don't, you know, tighten up in the moment, things are going to be wide the hell open. I don't disagree. I'm just looking for possible scenarios where an unexpected loss is out there lurking. And and that Elko-led Duke team uh, is a team on the come. Uh, They're they're, they're already immensely better. They're well-coached. Uh, I did a segment yesterday, Tom, where one of the things I pointed out that made me laugh was that Elko uh, reached back over to Texas A&M and plucked an up-and-coming linebacker coach off Jimbo's staff who was all too eager to leave Texas A&M to go to Duke. Mm-hmm. Didn't take him long. Funny, the trend that you note with Jimbo's staffers, they leave as soon as they can. The first offer they get, they leave, yep. even if it's paid less 
Bailey. <laughs> and it's not new. That happened here. Just the same. That happened here. There was the 1.0 staff. Uh, Coach Stoops left. Oh, yeah. Jeremy Pruitt left in the dead of night. Now, there might have been multiple circumstances there, but I don't think it would have been any different. I think he would have jetted anyway. So, yeah, that that is a trend that definitely happens with old Jimbo. But the other thing I'd say about Florida State's offense and the quarterback situation, I'm assuming Tate's going to be the backup. But if I'm A.J. Duffy and I see all of these weapons that I could work with this year, man, I'm doing everything in my power to make it interesting to take the backup job away from Tate. Because if I could be one play away, from playing in this offense with this set of weapons that are oh, yeah, marching, they're going to be gone, most of them, next year. God, what it would do for my career if I could get a crack at playing with these guys. Competition, man. This is the, That's the theme for this year. It's competition. It's across the board. We don't think anybody's competing with Jordan Travis to win the starting job, but the competition behind Jordan Travis is going to be intense, and that is true at every position group on the field. It's awesome. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV continues in a moment. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Wrap it up the Our short segment here, Tom and I are prone to have long conversations about interesting topics, and we do so in a thrilling manner. It's why you love the Jeff Cameron Show. Me too. By the way, February the 11th, Florida State will be playing baseball at Dickhauser Stadium. It's fan day. I don't know. Maybe they'll have an inter-squad type thing going on there, but it is fan day, Saturday, February the 11th. Their first real game opening day is February 17th at Dick Houser Stadium against James Madison. Tom, that game is at 5 o'clock. You and I will probably be in attendance at oh, yeah. Old Beer watching baseball and the start of the Link Jarrett era. Uh, let, me, let me just tell you why I bring this up. It happened again. It happened again. And I am – this is genuine enthusiasm that I'm feeling right now, guys. And, and, and I don't – I don't fall victim to the kind of schmaltzy stuff that, you know, the whimsical, like fan day for me, I used to make fun of fan day, not because of our fans, but because the annoying guy with the big poster board that runs in front of you to get a kid to sign the bottom left corner is annoying to me. So I would make fun of those things back in the day. Yes, because because he tramples children to get there. Correct. Yes. Yes. There were all the unseemly elements of what, yeah, like the running of the gumps at Alabama, that kind of thing is the way I thought of fan day back in the day. But I ran into somebody uh, yesterday, and it happened two days prior as well at the start of the week. And these are serious Florida State guys. These are serious men of sport, Tom. They are like us. They, 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 they're not afraid to say, oh, we're going to suck, or we're going to be really good, or eh, what do you think, man? I don't know about this guy or that guy. You know, they have the real conversations. They're pragmatists, realists. And this guy came up to me, and he goes, can you believe how close we are to FSU baseball? And I'm thinking, we just finished football. The AFC and the NFC Championship games this weekend. Um, You know, we're in the heart of what's going on with the NBA. There's still a lot going on, college basketball. And this dude is referencing, can you believe how close we are to FSU baseball? And he's not the first. In fact, he's like the third in the last 10 days. And I agree with that. 
I'm in the same boat, and I'm not selling tickets. I don't make any money for getting you to go out to FSU baseball games. I mean, you know, I get that on our website, it probably doesn't do huge numbers, but I don't worry about that when I have conversations with the audience. I just tell you what I'm thinking and also what I'm observing right now amongst the fan base. And remember, I'm a guy from the early 90s when it comes to being at FSU and doing homework in the stands and all that stuff, right? There was a time when FSU baseball, and you remember this time, was way up here. It was just back of football, right? We were in one of those weird places in America where college baseball was uber popular. My math and science teacher's sons, the de Blasies, were, you know, Mm -hmm. he was a little, he was a mini celebrity in Tampa because his kids played for Florida State baseball in the 90s. And uh, when I got here was the Buster Posey era. So that was the tail end of where it was the place to be. It could be again, Ray. It could be. Oh, again. buddy. And now uh, we got to build it. We got to build it someday. Uh, well, that's a different conversation. And we're running out of time in the hour. Hour number two. <laughs> I think Leak will build it. I'm talking about the actual structure, guys. The structure. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com. We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.